Welcome to Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. This podcast series is compiled from Dr. Whitney's university class entitled Justifying Beliefs. The thesis of this class is that we all hold beliefs, and no matter what they are or how deeply we adhere to them, we owe it to ourselves to apply rational testing of our beliefs in order to aim to justify them. This class takes us along that journey, perhaps for the first time or more deeply. For further insights and materials mentioned in this series, please refer to the resource page on Facebook entitled Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. And you know, I think that accounts for New Age spirituality as well. If you're sitting as a, as a biology major and 5% of those teachers and 5% of the textbooks, uh, you know, the, the, the people who write the textbooks are believers in God, and the rest of them are atheistic practically or doubtful, I mean, it, it, it's very hard to, um, not to not to feel that pressure. Like, that's how you do biology. And God knows if you want a job in biology, you better not be developing your theistic point of view because it's just not going to it's not going to fly you won't get the job at the university if you think you're going to go and teach evolution class with from a theistic perspective they, i mean some biologists make the mistake you know it's not a mistake but they they're, they're audacious enough to go and think they can do that in the private schools and the public schools and the high schools and there's all kinds of fights about evolution and creationism as they call it and what whatever it's a dangerous game when, when this culture seems to be so, so um, divided, academia is one thing, and, and, and the majority is completely different. I'm thinking it's science has contributed to the rise of atheism. My point was, I think this whole new spirituality, Just I said it last week, but I think it's important, because it, it, it actually explains why our, what, what was that stat we looked at? There were like 20% of people who define God differently than a Jew or, a, or, a, or a, a Muslim or a Christian would. Like a Christian Muslim would define God as the creator, distinct from the world, with a creation, all-powerful God, all-loving, all-knowing. This is a very different God than those 20% we looked at in that college uh, chart, or, or that one I just read on the basic beliefs, when God is simply the fulfillment of human potential, or that we're all God. Now, when you see young people starting to think that God has to, I mean, they go down as believers in God, but their God is not the God of theism. It's the, it's the new spirituality that's starting to, to show itself. And my guess is, a very simple thesis, you may have other, other explanations, I'm sure there are others, but I think science after 400 years has made us pretty dry spiritually. I mean, that, that's an, I mean science basically denied religious beliefs as legitimate. They called them emotional at best, meaningless at worst. And so what do people do? You've got a choice. You either follow science and give up your religious belief, and, and people do, or you, you stay or return to a traditional religion. But you know, traditional religion has a bad name because it's really been a problem in this culture. It used to dominate, and nobody likes whoever dominates because we don't want somebody ruling our life from some religious perspective. Um, so the alternative is obviously there must be another way to be religious. There must be. And I, I think this whole burst of new spirituality is just filling the void. It's telling science that I am a spiritual person. I am religious and, and I won't deny it. I'm going to pursue and I'm going to seek all these different ways and see if I can develop my spirituality. 
Um, a lot of us stay in traditional religions, but a lot seek the uh, the new the new ways. And uh, you know, I think it's all a result of being dominated by a culture. You know, I'm saying I'm going to say I'll finish it, but it's a strange sentence because it's ironic. We're dominated by a culture that's run by an elite that doesn't represent the majority. It's a secular, atheistic, anti-religious culture. Academia and the media. I don't know how they have that power except academia. We're at their mercy, all of us. We have to fit in. We have to be trained. We have to write the essays. We have to... I mean, I, I went through the same thing you do, if, if that's what you're feeling. And, and the media is the one that tells us the way things are. Yes, there is a religious media, but it's precious little compared to the, uh, the secular one. And Lord knows we need, uh, we need more options out there in academia as well as in the media. Boy, that would be a good day when we finally got a balance. You have a right to a balanced point of view. New Age is a protest against science. And, and I, I, think it's, I think it's working that people insist on being religious. I just think there may be other ways as well as just these. Some of these things can be justified and some of them can't. Let's put it that way. And I think we have to take care to look at what we believe seriously. Quite frankly, if it comes down to a horoscope before you marry A or B, that might be a problem. That might be. God knows, though, you probably all did the little thing with the, you know, whatever, how many babies you're going to have and who you're going to marry and all that. But it may be valid, but I think you might want to just take a little more care. Um, that's what we have to do. Wherever you are individually, no one needs to know. It's your business and nobody else's. Just think about it seriously. There might be a, a more deep, truthful spirituality out there. There might even be some traditional stuff. The irony is that this, the culture claims to be religious, but it's not represented in the press, and it's not represented in academia. There, the, 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 at least the press is fighting back, because, I mean, there are alternative sites where they're very traditional, like religious sites. But New York Times and CNN and uh, like it, almost every major newspaper, it's, uh, even in Canada, the Globe and Mail, it's, it's, a, it's a very liberal point of view. People have done studies, of course. This is calm study stuff, not, you know, but it's a legitimate question. But if you look at how religion is treated in the media, like I, I know from the Windsor Star, the only references I used to see were, were, were fanatics, you know, in a creek being baptized. Like as if we're, or, or somebody burning down a building with their six wives in some cult. Like, like representing religious beliefs. It's very seldom do you, I, I don't think I've ever seen a story about the Pope, the new Pope who's, who rules over a, a billion people. Like it's, it's, it's the largest religious body in the world, and there's not any press at all in any newspaper. You have to go to some fundamentalist site to see anything about the leader of the religious Christian world, or let alone a Muslim leader, the Christian ones that even show up. Something strange about the culture. 50% of the culture believes that abortion is wrong. 3% of the media does. It's it stats like that. It's so out of whack, like in almost every social and religious and moral issue. You've got the majority, and then you've got the media. And you start wondering, how do these people represent me? Politically, it's strange. I don't know how, you know, how it happened in the States where it's 50-50, but boy, we're pretty... Uh, why isn't religion being portrayed more uh, objectively? Well, the real reason is, is that look at the people who are the news desks, and look at the people who are the reporters. Most of them don't have religious beliefs. 
And when they want an expert to interview, they find somebody who doesn't have religious beliefs. So you keep getting this anti-religious bias in, in most of the media, not all of it, but in most of academia too, and not all of it, but most of it. It's, it's a tough situation. We don't want to be intolerant. And yet, if the majority are theists in this culture, and even New Age, you know the thing is, I think the simple answer is we all have our own channels now. Like, you know, if, if you want to feed your... It's a pity, though. You know, that's the trouble that we're all segregated. Nobody's dialoguing. You want a Christian channel. You want a New Age channel. You want you want the CNN stuff. We, we all pick our own because we want to hear what we already believe, you know, and reinforce it. But no one's dialoguing properly. There was one program. The guy got cut. He was on some late night talk show and he interviewed people from the other side. They had unbelievably interesting debates. And then he just he was gone. Too controversial. Just like you say, we're not ready for that. My guess is, though, the more we talk, when I see the world with um, uh, Islam growing and whatever, I've got a responsibility as a Christian theologian to know every, as much as I possibly can. This, you can't ignore this. We have to dialogue. And when I see New Age growing and atheism growing, we have to know what other people believe or else we're just talking to ourselves in a fog. But I wish we, wish we do more of that. Christian theology says that all religions have truth in them, but there are differences. It doesn't say we have all the truth and everybody else is wrong. Only the fanatics say that. So we have to be really careful not to, it's called the, you know, it, it's, well, it's, there are names for these things. They're all logical fallacies. It's, it's, taking the, it's taking a fanatical part and making it the whole. There are way too many people like that. And it's basically based on prejudice and ignorance. It's not based on fact. It's a, if you ever hear that at a university, it'd be a crime. Seriously, it's just, it isn't the way to do things. There's obviously truth out there. Our ideas, human beings, we're trying to find it. And if we're not open to it, we're never going to find it. And if we're just talking to ourselves, God help us. One little group. Starting our own schools, our own, our own uh, universities, our own uh, television stations, so that we keep feeding ourselves with what we already believe. That's great dialogue with the world, isn't it? That's when you become completely isolated. That, in fact, is what happened to a lot of Christianity. That's why it's not represented here, is that it, it didn't know how to dialogue with the evolutionists. And it, it does, it's doing it, but it's, it's, boy, I tell you, the train has left the station. Time to catch up pretty fast. Get back into the culture and do something. Like Learn what's going on out there is, is what the message should be. Christianity is not all the same, nor is Islam or any other religion. It, it, it's amazing how many variations in belief that people can have. That's actually what I want to show you in that American, um, this, this American religion, uh, I think I call it something like um, um, the relativism in religion and ethics. Did you notice that little document? USA Growing Relativism in Religion and Ethics. If anyone ever thought that all Christians are the same, um, this this should squell that in a, in a hurry. Here's 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 America, and the only the only things you have to worry about is what circles to make a very long bit of stats simple. These are the five segments, and you know it's a pity Christians weren't aware of this because it's I can't tell the difference sometimes from some Christians from from atheists. Like it's it's just incredible. Um, when you look at these stats, 8% of Christians are, we call them evangelical. And 
And you know why they're evangelical? It's just a word. We, we need a word. It, it basically, this is, this is the total population in the United States. Canada is roughly the same, except uh, I, don't have, I don't have this kind of stat. I've just got the total Christian, but it's the same kind of breakdown. There are three kinds of Christians, and they're very different on religious issues and moral issues. That's why a Bush and a Kerry and a Bush and a Clinton can be both Christian, but I mean, they probably can't even recognize each other on moral issues or social issues. They're different. Christians are not all the same. And as you, you know what this chart does? As you start moving from here, this side, I don't know if it's left or right for you or me. As you, as you move across, the numbers change in a, in a sequence that's the same for every issue. All you need to write down is a total, right? There's 8% of kind of conservative Christians. And all that means is, to make a very long story short, they take the Bible seriously. They, they take um, um, ethics seriously. They believe there's a moral law that comes from God. I mean, this stuff is what I think all Christians should believe, personally. just I don't like to throw too much personal stuff in, but I think we should all take God seriously and ethical ethical law seriously in general, you know. But evangelicals do, and the Bible seriously. But look at this: thirty-three percent of people in the states who call themselves Christian, the text is going to say "born again Christians." Very unfortunate word. Um, it really means they've they've made a commitment. It it, it doesn't mean like Deepak Chopra says that oh, born again Christianity. That means They've, they, they've reincarnated. That's not what it means, Deepak. What it means is that they have made a personal commitment that they take their religion seriously. So that's 33%. So good for them. I understand that. But we have 44% of Christians among this 85% that are very... The word they use in the, in the document is notional, but I think the word should be nominal. It means they show up at Christmas and Easter... They don't read the Bible that much. They don't go to church that much. They do not really agree with the ethical laws. They like sex in the cinema. They're very, very, very different. As you go across this list and we start looking at religious and moral issues, these people are so close to being like secularists that it's very hard to tell them apart. So maybe the number is not quite as accurate as we think. There's a wide distribution of Christians. And the way to see that is after you get by the first line, you start going down to these other, these other issues on the chart, and you see how their beliefs differ. I think all religions do that in general. See here, if you ask somebody in a poll, are you conservative or liberal generally with social issues? See, 70% of these people who call themselves evangelicals are conservative. But as you go across, it gets down to 33%, 25%, one out of 2.5 are mostly liberal, and then here it's mostly liberal. So as you move across this chart, you go from conservative to liberal in religious and social issues. That's America. Um, and it's strange that there's so many people that call themselves Christians there. Now, quite frankly, if, if you were a, a notional Christian, and among the 44%, I mean, this would probably be insulting for me to say, I don't know if you're Christian or not. I can't tell you apart from the secularists, but I'm sure that would offend them. I, hey, they'd say, I go to church at Christmas and Easter. I think I have a copy of the Bible somewhere. 
I don't believe in God's moral law. I don't really believe that Jesus was, was the Son of God, but I'm, I, I'm still a Christian. Uh, you know, th- these people are really a long, long way. The culture has taken them over, quite frankly, in my, in my interpretation. Here is the big question of the day in this culture. This, this culture has the, has the, has the title, the, it, 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 it's associated with relativism. That all truth, all religions, all ethics is relative without going through all the details. If you ask an evangelical Christian, is there a law, a moral law given by God that we should obey? An objective moral law. The word objective means it's literally from God, it's not from me. Subjective would be what would be the opposite. Do you believe that uh, euthanasia, killing or, or ending the life of, of, of someone who's sick and wants to die, just, just an issue out of many, many issues, is euthanasia uh, covered? I see not all, not all moral laws are covered by the law of God. Sometimes you have to interpret that. You know, Jews and Christians would say and Muslims would say that life is sacred. So I'm not just sure whether euthanasia would fit that sacredness of life. But go across, look, just go across. The evangelical Christians, the conservative Christians, 58% say that they believe that God has given us moral law. I'm still shocked by that number. I can't believe it's not 85%, but it's only 58%. But look at the rest of the culture. These so-called committed Christians, born-again committed Christians, it's only 27% of them that believe that law, that moral law comes from God. That's just unbelievably low. When, when I, my understanding of Christianity is that God gives moral law, the Ten Commandments, the, law, the, the laws of Jesus. Like it doesn't mean that that you know there there aren't customs like don't don't wear a you know we, men should have long hair says Paul and women should cover their head when they're in a church. That, that those are not moral laws. Those are social issues for us. But there are moral laws. Don't kill and don't steal and don't com- covet your neighbor's wife and your. And all of this, these are like basic moral laws. Even the committed Christians, the conservative Christians, it's less than 60%. That's how, because this culture, if you go over here, the people with no religion, it's only 10% that believe in any kind of a law. Only 17% are non-Christian religions because there's, you know, that, that's a strange number. I don't, I don't know how that breaks down. 15% are notional Christians, which is no surprise. And to, just to show you what that's all about, here are some hot issues. Homosexuality, cohabitation before marriage, abortion, um, explicit sex in the media. You start on this side, and the numbers are minuscule. We don't agree with homosexuality. We don't agree with cohabitation. We don't. You, you just go across the chart, and the numbers grow and grow and grow. So even in the middle, people who are notional Christians, you know, 62%. Don't ever say that Christians are against homosexuality. Uh, 50% of Christians are notional and 62% of them think it's okay. These stats basically tell me that Christianity is very diverse, that as you get into the liberal versions of Christianity, like, like these notional Christians are, the culture basically seems to have influenced them, um, over-influenced them in my mind, but I can just say objectively it's influenced them. Now those are the social issues, but if you go down to the if you want to see the difference here, like the moral issues or, or the religious issues, like if you're a Christian, they ask a simple question. Do you read the Bible once a week or every now and then? Or like in the last week, have you read the Bible? 
I mean, that's what Christians are supposed to do. You're supposed to be aware. Uh, if you're a Muslim, the question would be, have you read the Quran, right? It's just a basic, fundamental, innocent question. The conservatives are 86%. Yes, I have. The people who are committed Christians, it's only 53%. The notional Christians, the nominal, it's only 24%. I'm surprised that anybody else reads it over here, but the, even the atheists, it's 9%. But I can't tell much of a difference between 9 and 27, though. We have two things going on in this culture. Besides traditional religious beliefs like Christianity and, and, and Islam, the two big religious traditional beliefs, what we have is a secularism fed by academia, and that's certainly influenced a lot of these moral issues, and, and it's made these people, I think, pretty lukewarm in their, in their religious beliefs. And we have a New Age alternative, which I think has given us a new freedom and liberty that, that traditional Christianity uh, apparently doesn't do, although arguably so. The conservatives write the books. The traditional Christians write the books, giving you all the arguments that there are 5,000 manuscripts in the original language. The church fathers, just to give you one example, the church fathers, the people who lived in the, from 100 to about 180, quoted from the scriptures um, 99% of what's there. The only thing they didn't quote was one little letter from John uh, that's only a page long. So even if the Bible didn't even exist, we could put it together with the quotes, and it hasn't changed. It's 99% the way it was in these original documents. The liberal line is that it has changed because they want to discredit the traditional Christian belief and make room for new ideas socially and morally because they're very liberal morally. And quite frankly, the liberal Christians own academia. The conservatives write the books defending the tradition, the liberals just dominate, and they dominate the news. Every time somebody has a new theory, it's all over Time Magazine and Newsweek, and it's on TV, and it's always something like Jesus was the last pagan pharaoh, or Jesus was just some kind of cynic philosopher, and it has nothing to do with reality, but it gets press, and it sells millions of copies, and the Da Vinci Code is the best example of that. It's kind of like the same thing. It's, it's what publishers want. They could care less whether it's true. They just want to... They, they want to sell books, and the public loves it. Like it's controversial. It's almost like a, a hatred of traditional religion, and anything else will do if, if you can get rid of it. And by the way, they don't like to be called liberal. They like to be called progressive, because every everything is up for grabs. It's a wonderful word. There's a power in words, and they picked a good one. That means, by implication, that anybody who isn't progressive, of course, is a fool, and they're they're dragging their feet, and they're, they're just not with it. It's a great word. There's power in this stuff. So whatever. This is the big question in the culture. Is there a moral law, or do you just do what you feel is best in moral situations? So either there's an unchanging, objective law of God that we should obey, or there is, when you are faced with euthanasia or any other major moral decision, do you subjectively choose what to do? Or is it... And here's the startling fact of all the adults, only 22%. America, to call that a religious culture is... I, I, you just wonder, I don't know how they could... It's, it's like you have to be liberalized to say that this is a Christian or at least a theistic culture anymore, the American one across the border. 64% of all Americans say, I make my moral decisions depending on the situation. 
Now, I could say very sarcastically that, of course, they say that because that's what academia has taught them. It's called situation ethics. Your situation dictates what you should do. And you all know that traditional ethics, like this one, that moral law is unchanging, is no longer taught in the schools. What's taught in the schools is that you're presented with all kinds of moral dilemmas and ethical questions, and you're being taught that you and you alone make up your own mind about what is best for you. That could be a very dangerous uh, psychology. That's what, that's what liberal education has done. I know I'm sounding like one-sided here, but I, I mean, I'm fighting the whole administration and the whole structure of this place, so I, I don't have any choice to be, to be nuanced here or subtle. Like, there's the stats. 64% say, I do whatever's best for me. And only 22% of Americans, despite the fact that 85% claim they're Christian, that's a Christianity I personally don't recognize. Like, just, again, I, I'm trying to be objective here, but I don't recognize it. It's not my idea of what Christianity is, that only 22% think that moral law is unchanging. I thought Christianity was we believe in God, like Islam does, and we believe that God has given us a moral law, and we should obey it. Uh, like, I don't claim that there aren't situations that are difficult to understand what God would want us to do and this and that. But, I mean, 22%, that's it. 64%. But look at the teenagers. 6% say there's an unchanging moral law. And 83% of the next generation of leaders, after you, you get your shot first, and then coming along behind you, your employees, 83% think it's okay to steal pencils and, uh, you know, just paper clips and cheat on their, like, who knows what their individual beliefs may be like. The culture was a lot simpler when people believed that it wasn't, it, that you shouldn't steal and you shouldn't lie, and, and, and we had these values. I'm not saying that we're a bunch of, you know, crooks and charlatans now, but I'm saying the culture has changed. If you just go through the age limit, this is 18 to 35, it's 75%, so the 18 to 35s are pretty much the same as the teenagers. But look at the older people, the 55 and the 61. It's, the culture is different according to age. And that's basically the traditional values. Although, you know, there's never been a heck of a lot in this culture. Despite the fact it's supposed to be Christian, there's never been a high figure except among very small numbers, like 5 to 8% of conservative Christians that really believe in moral law. Here's an example. Now, this is, this is how people make moral decisions. And find yourself in this one. Like, how do you decide whether to commit euthanasia? Put mommy to rest. Okay? <laughs> now, she's been nagging for years, and you promised one of these days I'm going to smother you, and you're going to be in a better place. But euthanasia is a big issue in this culture. I mean, we just did that. The man, God, the, the, the states went crazy that all of the media was there. How do you decide a moral issue? Now, I almost pity traditional religions that come to this country. From like, like Islam would be a good example where, where, where people obey the moral law and then they come to Canada and the United States and the place is like so liberalized, it's hard to recognize this place as religious. Seriously, it, it, it must be a, a cultural shock that's just, just off the charts for some people. Now we want to start the justifying the thesis of the entire course. There's two parts to the course, and I'm going to take my sweet time with, with part one because I think this whole course should be part one, and it, it, and it could be part two as well, but I, we're going to do both. 
but a couple of weeks on part one. Um, I want you to read, if you haven't read these documents, read them now and try to get some feel for these stats and what's important, what isn't, because you're going to see that again later in midterm or whatever. Uh, I'm going to talk about those, the Gruthuis and the Wade and all of these, these documents that make the case that Christians and by implication others in this culture are missing a fundamental obligation and that's to justify what they believe as best they can. We're just not doing it. And, it, and, and that's why we have this moral relativism all over the place, where people think they can do what they want because there is no, there's no justification for the old moral law that we used to believe in. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us for the next episode as the journey of justifying beliefs continues.